Welcome to the Reasonable Theology Podcast, where we present sound doctrine in plain language. We're here to help you better understand, articulate, and live out the fullness of the Christian faith. And now, here's your host, Clay Craby. All right, well, thanks for joining us here at the Reasonable Theology Podcast. I'm Clay Craby, and I'm here with Dave Jenkins. He is a writer, an editor, a speaker living in Southern California with his wife, Sarah. Dave serves as the executive director of Servants of Grace Ministries. You may have come across his stuff online at servantsofgrace.org. He is the executive editor of Theology for Life magazine. He's also the host for the Equipping You in Grace podcast. You can see all these resources on his website. Of course, we'll link to them in the show notes. And today, Dave and I are going to be talking about uh, the opportunities and the drawbacks of online ministry resources. So, Dave, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much, Clay, for having me on. I'm, I'm, I feel very honored and humbled to be here, sir. Well, happy to have you with us. To begin, I mean, you've been doing online ministry, really, for quite some time. Can you share a little bit about yourself and what sort of resources you have available? Well, that's, uh, that's a really great question. Um, the most important thing to say before I answer any of this is to say I'm a follower of Christ. I love Jesus Christ, and I love to serve people and to help them grow in, in the grace of God. Um, I was saved at the age of five, and I first began to sense a call to ministry at the age of six. I started writing uh, stuff as a, a junior in high school out of ministering to high school students. I was involved in the high school youth group and just wanted to start writing. I was studying theology on my own and those kind of things, so I wrote a short devotional Starting my junior year, that kept growing, and it, people would share it. They said they were helped, those kind of things, so I kept doing it. Um, that continued until I graduated in high school in 2000, and I began uh, Service of Grace at the ni- 19. And let, let me be honest here, at 19, I, I thought I knew a lot, but uh, I can tell you, looking back like 19 years ago... Um, I, I did not. <laughs> I had a lot of room to grow in the grace of God, and I, and I really continue to do so. Um, I started preaching through an internet radio station about a year or so later, so I'm like 20, 21, for about six and a half years. They, these were expository, verse-by-verse sermons. Um, I started writing for publications like the Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. Uh, others started asking me to write for them, or I, I made friends with the editors. In 2009, um, around the same time that I graduated with my bachelor's degree uh, in biblical studies, and so I graduated in 2009 with my my undergraduate. This was the same time I started uh, reviewing books for publishers. I started Theology for Life with my wife in 2014. Uh, the main aim of that was to help lay people, although now we have lots of other people that read our magazine, and I'm thankful for it. Our our goal still is to provide biblical, uh, solid biblical theological resources for lay people um, through that. And I started the Equipping You in Grace podcast in October 2015, mostly because I, I wanted to stop writing reviews. Uh, I've written about 350 or so, according to Amazon. Um, and I wanted to start interviewing authors. I've, I'd wanted to do that for quite a long time. So this began more as a discussion podcast, and, um, and I was re- encouraged because of doing so many reviews, and I had established relationships with publishers and publicists to start interviewing authors by 
several friends. That's great. I mean, you've been doing this for a long time, and from book reviews to podcasts to blogging to a digital magazine, there's there's lots of ways that the digital world, the internet world, has impacted life, and that includes following Jesus, and that's what all your resources are are focused on. So what are some of the benefits that the average believer has living in this digital age that we're in? We have so many resources. We have, you know, Logos Bible Software. I love that. Uh, we have loads of Bible-based sermons. John Piper, John MacArthur, Alistair Begg. I mean, the list goes. R.C. Sproul. Um, you know, we could go on and on there. Uh, Sinclair Ferguson. Excuse me. Whoa, I almost forgot Sinclair. Uh, you know, solid ministries that teach the Bible. Uh, some of the other benefits... Uh, getting to know our brothers and sisters in Christ from all over the world, uh, learning about what God's doing there. That, that is so encouraging to me. Um, I just love that. Um, every Christian can have a voice about biblical worldview issues to share, whether they have a blog or a podcast. As, as far as you know, benefiting from the work of others and and using internet resources to kind of help you grow in your walk with Christ. What are some resources that you've come across that you would encourage other believers to check out? You mentioned a few names of of some preachers, Sinclair Ferguson and John MacArthur, and you mentioned Logos Bible study software. What are some others that come to mind that you would recommend that the average believer uh, make use of? Uh, I, I feel like I'd be remiss in, in, in answering this question without starting this way. Um, so I, I would encourage every Christian to use their social media for the glory of God to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. That means that you can share articles, podcasts, etc. That, and notice what I'm about to say, Bible-centered, and they point people to Jesus. Um, if you don't know what that is, if you don't know how to do that, or, or how, to, how to discern whether they're, they're biblical and they point people to Jesus, um, ask your pastor, ask an elder at your local church, um, ask somebody that you know you, you, that has is a trustworthy voice in these things um, to, to to make sure that what you're sharing is is Bible based and and points people to Jesus. Uh, share godly quotes from living and dead theologians that adhere to biblical Christianity. Guys like John Owen. Um, so with that said, I, I would encourage Christians to check out the resources you know from Ligonier. Um, there's a great ministry called Reformanda Ministries, uh, headed up by uh, uh, headed up by Owen Strahan and uh, Grant Castleberry, Costi Hinn, uh, Nate Pickowitz, uh, Gavin Peacock is involved. Um, obviously, Crossway is a great publisher. I, I love them. Uh, Desiring God, Grace to You, Together for the Gospel, The Gospel Coalition, Nine Marks. You know, behind these ministries are godly men and women. They love Jesus, and they want to help you grow in your knowledge and skill of handling the Word of God. And I'd also encourage you to check out the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and Midwestern Seminary. And no, they didn't pay me to say that. <laughs> but they, but uh, they're welcome to send a check, right? Yeah, 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 right. Royalties, please. Come on, just kidding. Uh, two, these are two great seminaries. Uh, they're producing pastor theologians for the church. Help, help point people to resources that help people grow in the grace of God and the knowledge of the word of God. And again, let me just say, if you don't know what that looks like or means, uh, contact Clay, contact myself, you know, contact your pastor or, or an elder at your church. Uh, they would love to help you, myself included. 
You know, I think it's great that you mentioned these two seminaries, and of course there are others out there. And people might think, why would I follow a seminary, you know, on social media? I'm not going to seminary. But I tell you, they're so attuned to this digital age that they're sharing out, you know, videos from their chapel uh, services. They're sharing out conference videos. They're sharing out book reviews. I mean, they they put out a lot of great content. So I, I do encourage people, Midwestern, Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, um, RTS, there's lots of ones out there that just keep your eye on them. And they're they're putting out great stuff that can be a really, really big help to, to those who follow them. Yeah, let me let me just add Southeastern does a great job as well. And I, I can't believe I didn't mention uh, RTS or, or Westminster and Philadelphia or. Yeah, there's just tons. And a lot of these places, uh, they'll have free apps and. I would say the majority, if not all of them at this point, have a lot of free classes. You're not going to get a certificate or a diploma in the mail, but you can go through the same lectures that these seminary students are going to and benefit from some really great teachers. Oh, yeah, I, I agree 100% with you. So we, we know that there's there's lots of benefits, and I'm sure our listeners right now have some favorite apps on their phone. They have some favorite websites, some favorite social media accounts that they follow, and they, and they probably have the, the consumption side down, and we know the benefits the Internet brings. But, of course, we can't have a conversation like this without acknowledging it brings a lot of negative things too. So what are some areas that Christians in particular need to be aware of when it comes to their spiritual growth and, and what might hinder that online? Before we get into the negative things, and I, and I have some... I have some things to say on this one. Um, so in 1 Thessalonians 5.21, Christians are commanded to be discerning. You know, Paul commended the Bereans in Acts 17 for searching the scriptures to see if these things are so. We need to be Bereans and we need to exercise spiritual discernment. So we need to grow in the meat of the word, not just, you know, eat off of the milk. But we, we need to do that by daily reading and studying the Bible, both per- personally and and on the Lord's Day, by sitting under sermons and, and preachers that make the point of the passage, the point of the sermon, they point people to Jesus from the text being preached. That is the way we deal with the negative the internet has for us, by being in the Word of God personally. So we need to be mindful to, to fight against negative things by being not only in the Word, but accountable to people for our internet usage. Uh, what we view is a reflection of what we treasure most. As Christians, we are to treasure Christ supremely and to delight in him. And so to fight against the negative things and against distractions, we need to have a right and a biblical view of ourselves that comes not only from studying the word, but being in a Bible-centered church where the word of God is taught. And there we can see living illustrations lived out of the word, not only preached, but lived out with God's people. That is how we can learn to fight against distractions that come from being on the internet or, or just in life in general. Uh, one other negative area of the internet is the allure of influence. Uh, Christians can think that because they have a blog or a podcast or some platform that, that their words are what is important. But to be sure, everyone wants their work to be important, to be read and valued and so on. And there's nothing wrong per se with that desire. But the human heart, the Bible says, is wicked. It, it, it desires a pat on the back and to be appeased. It, it desires, it craves attention, it craves the applause of others. And it's because of that that I, 
I say that one negative uh, uh, about this is, is what it does here to the human heart. And let me use a personal example. Uh, in my early 20s, I was one of those who got a lot of influence quickly from others. The Lord did that. I, I, I believe that. He is sovereign. He is the one that will give influence and he will take it away. But, but let me also be clear, I wasn't ready for it at that time. And instead of stewarding influence well, I, I hurt people. You know, that, that hurts me. Um, it's one of the things that I have a, a big regrets about um, in my life. But uh, that's what can happen when our character is not ready for influence. Instead of stewarding influence well, we will hurt people. And that, that doesn't matter if it's online or offline. We, we'll say whatever's on our minds. Instead of exercising spiritual maturity and helping people become discerning and mature disciples of the Lord Jesus, we will hurt people. That is why influence is so seductive. It give us, gives us the privilege of speaking into people's lives. But it is just that, a privilege. It's not a right. And when we confuse the two, we're in mortal danger. Make no mistake about it. Oftentimes, I, I honestly, I say this, I say this out of a heart that's concerned for people. I worry about people. I'm deeply concerned for people who are beginning to write or, or podcast because I, I pray sincerely that they have good and godly motives to spread the gospel, to help people grow in the word. Um, and not care about how many people they reach. But we know the human heart. We know it craves attention, and we know that it craves applause. This attitude is one that is a very real danger for people, because by definition, uh, bloggers and podcasters, they're putting themselves out there. They're saying, here is my thoughts on this topic and that topic. And, and that's great, as long as it's biblical, and it seeks to honor the word, and it seeks to point people to Jesus. So, so. Do hear me say that if your desire is to do that, to, to be biblical, uh, to point people to Jesus, that, that is great. But beware of the dangers. But when the attention gets to us, you know, when, 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 it, when it fills our head and fills our thoughts and that's all we can think about, we're in danger of making our influence an idol. And then we cannot possibly be good stewards. Instead, we'll defend ourselves. We'll shift blame for our sins to others. And after a while, perhaps not even after a while, we'll be apathetic about our sin. We'll hurt people. And this slide can happen so very quickly. It's, it's shocking and it's scary and it's alarming and it should grieve us greatly. The more influence you have, wherever it is, the more accountability you need. The more influence you have, the more godly people you need praying for you, speaking into your life. And the more you need your pastors, your elders, and all of those people at your church to help you be a good steward. And this is why I need you. You need me. It's also why I've focused in my answers on you know, growing in Christ. Because there's one thing I know, and I've lived it out. When influence gets to your head, it can ruin you, and it will hurt others. And I know that because I've done it. And give thanks to God if you have lots of accountability. And understand that God is using that. He's using that to protect you, to help you, and to keep you humble. That's great. And I think a lot of people might think, well, I don't have a blog. I don't have a podcast. I don't have influence. But you got to keep in mind a lot of the tools that we're using online are designed to give you some degree of influence. I mean, I think the average person has something like 500 Facebook friends. So when you go out to post something, when you go out to uh, share a review of uh, you know, some product or service in town, are you doing things that reflect well on Jesus Christ? 
And I think everyone needs to keep that in mind, like you mentioned earlier. Who we are in Christ should affect the way we do everything, including how we interact online. So I think that influence piece isn't just for you know guys like you uh, or me that you know have a podcast and, and get a chance to talk to people. It's for everybody online because we all, through these tools, ha- do have a degree of influence. I, I want I want people to hear that because you know you don't have to have right for desiring God or or TGC or ELRL, the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission or For the Church or Servants of Grace or any of these other places. You know, you could just be sharing your thoughts on your Facebook page, on Twitter or, or wherever, even in your local church. Praise God for that too. And people can be helped. What matters is, is staying humble, staying low before the Lord and and growing in His grace. That That's how you're going to be useful no matter whether you have a lot of people following you or whatever. Yeah, I think that's... that's. If you enjoy the sermons and written works of C.H. Spurgeon, I encourage you to check out the all-new chspurgeon.com. Here you'll find free, unabridged sermon audio delivered with the dynamic of live preaching, articles written by and about the Prince of Preachers, a chronological bibliography of all his books, and much more. This will be a growing library of Spurgeon-related resources to help you in your walk with the Lord. So check it out at chspurgeon.com. Helpful way for people to process before, before they you know, hit send on that Facebook post or on that tweet or share that photo on Instagram. Or, and they're not just social media tools, but those are the ones that so readily come to mind. We really need to think carefully about what it is we're saying and uh, how we're representing not only our faith but the faith to others that might be outside of it, might be younger in the faith. And whether you know it or not, maybe you have a degree of influence over in terms of how they understand uh, Scripture, how they understand uh, resources out there they can use or to avoid. I think we should all take that very seriously. One one thing that comes to mind, too, just as we think of these great uh, teachers that we all have access to, in one trap I think that Christians can fall into is they get disappointed when their local pastor isn't John Piper or John MacArthur or Sinclair Ferguson. Uh, and I think it's important for the average Christian to recognize that more importantly, those men, as great as their teaching ministry is, they aren't your local pastor. And to really um, to, to protect that, that respect and that desire to learn from the person who God has put in your life, in your church, to guide and to lead the flock that you're a part of, and to not... Um, not replace your church with a YouTube preacher or a podcast preacher. I think that's really important for people to kind of recognize and keep in mind. When it comes to social media, do you have any suggestions for believers who want to use the tool, but they want to use it well? Here's a few things that I try to think about here. Uh, First is understand you're going to be held accountable by God for every idle word out of your mouth. Uh, second, that you are to build up others with your words and not tear them down. Third, um, understand that your witness for Christ is a reflection of your convictions about the gospel. Fourth, understand that even if you don't have much influence or if you do have much influence, you'll be uh, held accountable for others. Fifth, get others to speak into things you share online 
especially on controversial topics. I often have my wife or friends read over what I'm going to say, and honestly, most of the time, it gets deleted. It's just not helpful. Or, guess what? Even better, it doesn't make sense. That happens more often than not. Made sense to you, but... (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Be the kind of friend you know you need uh, from others. In other words, get in accountable relationships with people who will help you grow and challenge you. These friends may be impressed with your character, but they should not be so impressed by you that they can't say something to you that's hard. Um, Yet you know that you have a real friend when they'll tell you those hard things you need to hear. And if you have that kind of friend, praise God. Well, sixth, get in a local church and get in a small group. Do life with other, with real people in real life. So I have a strong last part to this answer. Uh, I often wonder if those who attack others on social media are the same way they are, if they're the same way they are on the internet as they project themselves to be, you know, online. So are they are they really that way, like on in person? Like most of the time, they're not, in my experience. So as Christians, we aren't to be double minded. We're not to have disjointed lives, saying, uh, you know, we're one way and then actually we're another. That that belies. And notice how I'm going to say it's a heart that possibly hasn't understood the gospel um how we behave is a reflection of our gospel convictions a lot of the junk that happens online i mean everyone knows better than to scroll down and read the comments on a youtube video because it's it's some of the most terrible things and the most hateful things you're ever it doesn't matter what the video was i think a lot of that happens because people have a sense of anonymity online but for the christian that should not matter that should not give you license to act in a way that you wouldn't act face-to-face, that you wouldn't act uh, in front of your congregation at church. We should be the same people in private and in public and on the Internet, and I think those are some good points to help us do that. How can the average Christian make good use of the Internet for uh, – you've already covered sharing good resources. How about like encouraging others or, or doing some some level of personal ministry, knowing that – Ultimately, our, our goal is to, to interact face-to-face, but how can we use the, the Internet to help us kind of build some re- some relationships? Use it to pray for people. Uh, get to know people. Um, maybe even ask, hey, how can I – I see people on Facebook all the time. How can I pray for you? And, you know, the comment thread keeps going and going because who doesn't even – who doesn't need prayer? By the way, that's also a good thing to do in your local church. Just pray for somebody. Ask them, hey, can I pray for you? And pray for them right there because you'll probably forget uh, anyway, uh, share good content that, that honors the word and points people to Jesus. So those are just some things I could say. There's there's lots of small touches that we can make uh, into somebody's life. If if you saw that, you know, I don't know, they, they won some award or any any number of accomplishments that they might share on online, reach out to them. Send them an, send them an email. Better yet, maybe send them a note offline, but... There's things that we can do to just acknowledge people, to check in on people that maybe we don't have an opportunity for face-to-face interaction much, and try and use some of these tools to just keep uh, a relationship growing uh, even at a distance. So I think there, there are some good benefits that we have available to help build relationships online. As we wrap things up here, I think we're all you know aware of the difficulty that we have sometimes in actually unplugging and, and, and having a good balance between benefiting from all the great things online, but still not neglecting the real world 
real fellowship, uh, the people in our actual church. What tips do you have for others? What maybe has worked in your own life to, to kind of strike that balance between your online life and your, your real world life? Uh, I, I love what J.I. Packer once said. Um, he said that the normal Christian life is lived in the local church. So I really appreciate this question um, because of that, because it's it's there in the local church that we're to one another or each other. Uh, we're, we're to serve for serve one another. Uh, Jared C. Wilson has said that the legitimacy for our ministry uh, comes from serving in the local church. So it doesn't come from having a platform. Um, it comes as, you know, we're serving in the local church. Um, it's from there that we can minister to others, to write blogs, we can do podcasts. It's in the local church where our character is formed by the word, where we do life from one another. Uh, from there, we can minister online if we desire to, to write or uh, podcast to uh, spread the gospel. Uh, we can benefit from the good of online resources without neglecting real-world fellowship by understanding how great our need is for Jesus and for one another. I think that if we understand that, that we will never sacrifice real-world fellowship for online fame. Instead, we will prioritize the local church above online ministry. Um, let me be. Let me make the obvious statement here. Uh, this gets complicated for people like me, whose full-time job is working online, editing, podcasting, and so on. But the average Christian, that's that's not their job. The average Christian isn't editing. So they, they should prioritize the local church before any ministry. They should focus on being a member of a local church, serving in their local church and so on. If after they feel compelled to engage in online ministry, they should seek out the counsel of pastors and submit to accountability from seasoned Christians. They should also learn from others who are engaged in the work online they should ask lots of questions and seek counsel. After all, there is wisdom in the abundance of counselors, the scripture teaches. And yeah, so it just use these tools, benefit from these tools, but prioritize real-world relationships. And when in that, prioritize your own local church. Form those relationships. And, and it all kind of comes back full circle because that can help inform and guide and develop you in your online life as well. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Our guest today on the podcast has been Dave Jenkins. I encourage everyone listening to head to servantsofgrace.org. Check out the Theology for Life magazine. Check out the Equipping You and Grace podcast and all the resources they have on the website. Dave, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Clay. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to the Reasonable Theology Podcast. Be sure to visit ReasonableTheology.org for more helpful resources on understanding, articulating, and living out the Christian faith. In addition to the show notes for this episode, you'll find articles, videos, book reviews, and much more. That's ReasonableTheology.org. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoy the Reasonable Theology podcast, go to reasonabletheology.org slash subscribe and get the weekly email. Each week I send out the latest article or podcast episode, and each email also includes a helpful definition to expand your theological vocabulary, a beautiful painting depicting a scene from scripture or church history, a musical selection to enrich your day, as well as the best book deal I've found that week to add trusted resources to your library. Try it out at reasonabletheology.org slash subscribe.